Welcome to the Project Unchained podcast, where my special guests and I help you break free from the chains that hold you back from life's greatest experiences. The goal of this podcast is to educate people on self-care modalities that can and will improve your life if you commit to doing them. An effective self-care regimen is the single most important thing you can do for yourself to have a more extraordinary life experience. I'm your host, Ross Lepola, and I've spent the past several years of my life on a journey of healing and self-care after living many years chained down by my own limiting thoughts and beliefs. Now, I'm here to share what I have learned and to empower you to break free from the chains that hold you back from your unlimited potential. Let's get unchained. When you were lost in the woods, you were misunderstood by everyone, everyone. You were searching for words, but they came out absurd. And no one heard you, no one heard you speak your mind. They lost the This podcast is brought to you by The Belonging Blueprint. As many of you know, there has been a tremendous amount of personal growth that has had to occur in order for me to create the Project Unchained podcast for you. It can be incredibly scary to be vulnerable, let alone publicly vulnerable. And a few years ago, there's no way I would have been able to have the emotional capacity to do something like this. I've had to create the confidence within myself. No one was going to do that for me. And in doing this work, I discovered that meant being vulnerable. And guess what? You can do it too. Creating more self-confidence begins with a strong sense of belonging. You create belonging through internal validation. Well, how do you do that, you might ask? I've got you covered. I've created an online self-development course that is designed specifically to help you build a strong sense of belonging within yourself. The ability to internally validate your existence, have the confidence you desire, and grow self-worth you never thought possible. The Belonging Blueprint is now here and will be a guide for you every step of the way. To get more information and enroll today, you can click the link in the show notes. You belong here. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Project Unchained podcast. You know, before I get going into this, I got to express my gratitude and appreciation for you all again. Like, I appreciate the people sharing. I appreciate the people uh, engaging me in conversation I appreciate all of the new audience members. Um, the The audience continues to grow. I appreciate that. Those of you that might be new to the to the podcast, I want to challenge you to go out and get somebody that you know that could benefit from this to listen to an episode. Send them your favorite episode so far, and and hopefully it might resonate with them and help them along with their healing journey and uh, find a way to have a better life experience. Today I want to have, I'm going to do things a little bit different and have a different kind of conversation and I'm going to start it off a little bit different and I hope that you all enjoy and let's roll with it. Can I say it now? Yeah. Casting. Shirley was born the color of midnight. She looked nothing like a family. Not even a little. Not even at all. Love you, mommy. <laughs> Mama with the color of dawn. Dada the color of death. 
and meets her sister with the color of high noon. Hardly everybody, anybody looked like Sully either. They gave Sully, no, they gave her sister names like Sunshine and Ray and Beauty. And people gave Sully names like Blackie and Darkie and Night. And Sully felt hurt every time. So she hid away or Sister made lots of friends. Truly dreamed of being the color, of being the same color as her sister. She wanted to have friends. So, Truly tried to find the biggest eraser she could and rub them in two of her layers of her darkness. Look, she's light now. Sully crept in the mama's room and held herself to her make-up. Sully would hear this from her mama. Sully decided to work work from the inside out. So she only ate the lightest, brightest food. With a stomachache, she turned to God for a miracle. Here, Lord, why do I look like midnight and my mother looks like dawn? Please make my eyes fair as my parents. I want to have daylight. I want to have friends. I want to be beautiful, not just to be ten. If you hear me, my lord, and would like to comply, may I wake up as bright and the sun in the sky. Amen. When Mama came and took her, she didn't see any of the brightness in her skin. Sully told Mama everything. What is your name? Sully, she mothered. And what does it mean? Star, Sully whispered. Brightness is not in your skin, my love. Brightness is just who you are. It's for beauty, Mama said. You are beautiful. Well, you're beautiful to me, but you can't rely on that you look like to make you feel bad. Real beautiful, real beauty comes from your mind. It begins how you see yourself, not how others see you. Now up you get and out you go. Besides on the school bus, how could she be as dark as she was, have light brightness in her? How could she be a star? That night, a shooting star appeared at Sully's window. Come with me. So she hopped onto the star and off they went. Long ago at the beginning of time, there was night and day and they were sisters and they loved each other very much. But people didn't treat the sisters the same way. They gave day names like lovely and nice and pretty. And people gave dark names like, like bad and ugly and scary. And she felt hurt every time. So she, so night walked off the earth, and not and day stayed behind and endured, making everybody happy. But the day began to grow too long. She began to really miss her sister. So did everybody else. Whoa, it's four days. There had to be a way to get night back. And 
so she set off to find and then <laughs> she walked off the earth and then the earth with blood. And then <laughs> and then they set off to find her. Night. I miss you, said Day. I miss you too, said Night. But you don't know how it's like to be cheated badly for being dark. You're right, I don't, said Day. But that I do know is that we need you just the way you are. Come and see. So Night returned and the people were joys. We need the dark so we can grow. We need you so we can keep our secrets to ourselves. So the stars signed in. Real brightness isn't just for the daylight. Brightness comes in many colors, and sometimes bright can only be seen in the dark. And day has a golden glow. Not everything is a silver sign. They told her sister, when you are at its darkest is when you're the most beautiful is when I didn't have to change, not even a little, not even at all. So now that they were night and day were back together, a little bit of day returned to night in the form of Saturn, a little bit of night returned to day in the form of moonlight. And they were inseparable from that moment and promised to so the brightness in each other. Oh, whether the people chose to see it or not. You see the star is playing. We need them both on their sunniest day, on their deepest night. Bright and beautiful. Dark and strong. Sully rose the next morning. Being, there would be no hiding anymore. She belonged out in the world. Dark and beautiful, bright and strong. And if she ever needed her reminder of her darkness, she could look up at the sky and see for herself. Sully felt beautiful inside and out. Wow. Thank you, Rosalie, for reading that wonderful rendition of Sully. Truly... (laughs) I I appreciate you a whole bunch. And, you know, seeing that book and hearing that book and a whole bunch of other things going on in life have had me thinking about the need to have different conversations, especially around race. Especially, I mean, just... Bear, bear with me here because there's definitely some, some things that I need to like work through on this here for, for myself, for probably everybody listening and just uh, hold tight with me here. Anyway, um, trying to get trying to get going with it. There is this book called Nature Shock where uh, it's a, a, a parenting book. It's super, super wonderful. It's a, a book Vanessa found and it's uh, it's got a lot of really good stuff into it. And there's uh, one chapter in it entitled Why White Parents Don't Talk About Race. And it's a really uh, rather interesting chapter. So there is a, 
a children's research lab in Texas that keeps a, a database on thousands of volunteer families. These families uh, volunteer for, for different academic studies, um, mostly like social science and social studies and things of that nature. And in 2006, there was a PhD student doing a dissertation that recruited uh, around 100 Caucasian families with children in the ages of five to seven years old from that, from that group. And this goal, the, the goal of her study was to look at typical children's videos with multicultural storylines and whether they actually had any benefit on the effects of children's racial attitudes. And so the first step was to kind of like test the children and parents' racial attitude as like a baseline and establish that baseline. Basically, some of that questioning in that uh, determining of their baseline was, you know, how many white people are nice? Almost all, a lot, some, not many, none, blah, blah, blah. How many black people are nice? Almost all, a lot, some, not many, none. And a few things like that. And there was also like nice was replaced with a bunch of other adjectives, dishonest, curious, pretty, ugly, whatever, a bunch of different adjectives like that. And the questions were asked in similar fashions um, as far as like how many white people are dishonest, how many black people are dishonest, almost all, a lot, some, not many, none, different things of that nature. So... One third of the families were sent home with typical, like multicultural storyline videos, cartoons, things of that nature for for the children to watch. And in sending those, you know, typical stories and cartoons and videos home, there wasn't really much expected to change in the attitude. As there's been several research studies shown prior to that that it it doesn't work. It doesn't work to just show your kid a multicultural story and them to understand because the messages are are too vague for the child to understand. The second group of people were sent home with a with a checklist for the parents to talk with the kids about shows echoing the themes of the show, right? Like the the parents were supposed to talk with the children about the different things that they saw in the storylines and per, per specifically about the different uh you know race themed stuff so that they could have that exposure and have those conversations and the third group was given a che- checklist but no videos so th- the first group was given a bunch of videos with no checklist of things to talk about the second group was given videos with the checklist to talk about. And the third group was given a checklist, but no videos, right? So conversations of some people have different skin color. You know, we often like the same thing, still good people. We can be friends, but we look different, things of that nature. Five of the families in the last group, the, the third group, straight up like quit the study. Like they didn't want to participate and they didn't want to point out the skin color. They didn't want to talk about the difference of the skin color and they didn't want to have those conversations. And 
This was in the line with what the initial attitude test showed for the parents around race, was that they, they didn't want to point out the different skin color. They didn't want to point out the different race. They didn't want to point out those differences. And so there's like these vague statements of we're all the same, we're all made by God, we're all equal, a lot of those different things. But the thing is, is like those don't appear to have the intended impact that we might want them to have. It's showing that those conversations, they're, they're not having the impact that we intended them to be. We, they're not uh, those statements. They're not doing the things that we intend them to be. So if we don't call attention to the race, right? Like there's that idea that we want our children to be colorblind. We don't want them to see color. And that seems like a super novel concept and novel idea that we don't want our children to be seeing different color and, and that if we if we teach our children to not see color, then they won't be racist. But based on that, those test results, the, like the kids, they're not colorblind, right? Like the, the thing to think about is that they're not colorblind. They see different color, orange, green, purple, blue, pink, whatever, all the different colors in the fucking Crayola 64 color box. They see all those different colors. So imagine that they're not fucking colorblind. They see different colors of different skins. So like we can't just not talk about it. We can't just uh in, intend that that will be good enough. So it was interesting uh hearing about some of the answers to the those questions we talked about earlier or I mentioned earlier. You know, the how many white people are mean. <laughs> well, it was very commonly answered that almost none, almost none were mean. Almost no white people are mean. And to the answer of how many back, black people are mean, many answered some or a lot. So that was interesting. And one of the things to, to realize from this group in this study is that these kids are attending diverse schools, right? So like, it's not like they're completely isolated into all white communities either. An outright question was asked of those kids if their parents liked black people in the study. Hey, do your parents like black people? How do you think your kid would answer? What do you what would your kid answer? Think about that. Cuz 14% said, "No, my parents don't like black people." And 38% answered, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's 38 plus 14. Man, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty large amount of kids that have no idea where their parents lie or where their parents think in a subject. And regardless of whether it's race or not, maybe your parents ought to know what you do think or believe Right? Anyway, to think that we live in this race-free vacuum is silly. 
right? And so the idea is that if we want to try and live in this race-free vacuum and we want our kids to not be colorblind, we have to talk about it. Because if we don't, kids are going to be left to improvise their own conclusions. So in the retesting of those children, one of the things that was seen was that there is no improvement of children in just the stories without conversation, right? So like the kids that had just the stories that watched just the movies, just the multicultural movies or stories, whatever they are, uh, they didn't have any improvement in their racial attitude without the conversation. But guess what? Neither of the other two groups showed signs of improvement either, right? So those other two groups were having, quote-unquote, having conversations, and they didn't show the improvement either. So it was thought initially by the the PhD student doing the study and doing the survey, uh, they, they thought that it was a failure, right? Like, they thought that that study was a failure at that point, and they, they didn't quite understand why. And they had consulted with, an co- with another colleague and were encouraged that there was still something there. There was still something in the study, still something in the data to, to keep looking further. There's something there. And so in the parents' journal that were talked to with their children about race, it was found that in looking to see how the interactions with the kids were, like, was, was the conversation meaningful or were the parents merely checking off the boxes of the checklist? And it was seen that, or it was, it was found that uh, mostly it was check off the boxes kind of things showing that many parents simply couldn't talk about race with their kids. Like they couldn't have the conversations. And I like, I was thinking about that and I'm like, man, yeah, I know (laughs) I can think back to my experience in my life. I didn't have any conversations like that. I think about it and I'm like, well, you know, I also grew up in a pretty much entirely, not even pretty much, and all the way white town school, northern Minnesota, it's all white people. There's not very many black people. It's not very diverse. And this study is being done in a very diverse and progressive town of Austin, Texas. So what they found was that it was often reverting to the everybody is equal, vague phrasing. Like those were the conversations that were happening. They weren't the... They weren't deep and meaningful conversations between the parents and the kids. They were, again, reverting back to the equal, everybody is equal, vague phrasing. So in a few of the families where they found that they were having meaningful conversations about it, they found that there was a big positive increase in the kids' racial attitude. So the big key with all of that was it didn't matter if they were having or watching multicultural videos. It didn't matter if they were having kind of quasi conversations about it or not this and that. Like the biggest key difference was that they were having 
meaningful conversations about it. Intentional and meaningful conversations about it. Imagine that. Uh, imagine, like, to me, as I learned that, I'm like, oh, well, no shit. Of course, having a meaningful conversation is something that can elevate and promote change. Like, that does that for us as adults. I can't imagine, well, I guess actually I, I can't imagine what that could do for a, a kid. So, again, the, the biggest thing to take from all of that and all the study stuff is what made the difference was meaningful conversations. And, you know, that's part of... That's part of the big intention behind this podcast is to have some meaningful conversations and some meaningful thought process and just think about things and question them and be open to alternative possibilities, be open to a different line of thinking. Anyway, let's get back to it before I start drifting off into la la land here. Why do we need to have meaningful conversations like this? It's very important. And let's think about this here. Kids in their young group age groups, kids young age, like under seven, they are, they're working to categorize the world in ways that help them understand it better. They're going to do that. We can't stop them from that. That's something that's really like hardwired into your limbic system. It's hardwired into your lower mental. Like it's, it, you're going to do it. It's not, you can't just be like, oh, well, don't do that. Nope. It's, you, you're going to do it. The kid's going to do it. So they're going to categorize the world to help them understand it better. And color is a super fucking easy way for kids to create categories. It's super obvious. It's right there in front of us. We can see it plain as day. And studies have shown this with, with kids just by like separating them by shirt color, right? Like they can, they'll, they'll separate a, a, a red shirt group of kids and a blue shoot, blue shirt group of kids and ask them similar questions that they asked in the racial, racial study. And, like, how many kids in red shirts are nice? Almost all? None? And the kids in the red shirt are going to be almost all. And the kids in the blue shirt are going to be like, oh, some. Right? Like, they do that just based on shirt color, let alone, let, let alone skin color. Like, that's, you know, bless their little hearts. That's just something that they do. And so avoiding this conversation... And avoiding it, it, it doesn't help. We don't live in a race-free vacuum. Like, the hu we're diverse as all get out. There's so many... There's so many different races. They're like, And we, ha we ought to be able to talk about them. And we ought to be able to celebrate them. We are different, and that is okay. And we ought to be able to recognize that. And, and let's continue to celebrate that like i can't think about that 
talk about it enough. Like nature is beautiful in its diversity. Man, like so amazing. So amazing, the diversity of nature. Like I, one of the cool things about like moving from Alaska to Georgia, it has been to see like the diversity of nature in Georgia compared to the diversity of nature in Alaska. Alaska is a little bit more like plain Jane in some of the ways and more diverse in other ways, but mostly like the plant life, the plant life in Georgia is amazing. It's so cool to see all the different plants that nature is growing. And I think about stuff like this and I'm like, man, nature is just a diverse, beautiful machine. Like, oh, it's just so beautiful to see all the different things that nature has to bring and offer us. And race is no different to me. Like, to celebrate the different diversities and different religions and different, all the different ethnic groups and see the differences and, like, that is amazing to see those differences to me and see how people choose to celebrate things differently and their different ceremonies and, man. Anyway, let's get... I'm going off a going going down a different rabbit hole than what I where I was trying to go. But anyway, nature is a beautiful in its diversity. Avoiding it actually does more in the root of segregation, right? And it's shown in many other social studies and with mixed schools, right? Like there are schools that are completely mixed. There, uh, all the different kinds of races. A white kid is 8% likely to have a black best friend. 8%. That's pretty, that's pretty low. That's real low. 8%. Damn. Like, that's not even 10%. It's 8%. It's crazy. And the social, those social studies have, have shown that it it doesn't increase either for like the second, third, or fourth friend. Right? It the 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 integration isn't quite enough without the meaningful conversations. So again, back to the meaningful conver- conversations. We we have to have them. I definitely think that it is healing to have these conversations with our kids and people of other races. Uh, I, I personally find it very healing. I, I find it healing just to put myself out there on this podcast like this, right? Like when we have these conversations, we have more meaningful conversations with our friends. The, the big thing that we can do and create in that space is we get to connect as humans on a deeper level. And that connection is something that really can help us bond and bring us together. And like I say, that's definitely helped me. It's helped me a ton. I have found that by doing that, I've been able to let go of some of the subconscious hate 
that was inside of me that I, I was completely unaware of. And in having those conversations, I was able to better connect and realize some of that stuff and dismiss it from my life, dismiss it from my being, dismiss it from my my soul. And man, <laughs> like doing that, doing that does you something real good for your healing journey. Let me tell you what, like dismissing that like that tension of that hatred that's can be inside of you whether you want to acknowledge it or not but you you get to that point where you can dismiss it and it's like oh yeah that feels so much better so much better i think about community and especially thinking back to the last episode with connor and community is huge like we see each other as a, a great part of it all, right? We're all, we're all linked together. While we are separate and individual, and I am me and you are you, and we are our own separate entities and we are individuals and we have our own likes, dislikes, uh, philosophies, opinions, perspectives, different things of that nature. We're still all connected in the community that is the great circle of life. We are all humans. And man, we connect to that community. We can grow and heal in so many different ways. So I start to think about I start to think about this whole idea and how can we as white people have those more meaningful conversations with our kids? with our friends and with our family. And so a few things that come to mind, and by all means, this is definitely not an exhaustive list because this is, <laughs> I mean, this is a deep conversation. And to distill this down, to try and think that I could distill it down into one podcast episode would be completely foolish. So by all means, there's going to be lots of other ways to do it. Um, but a few that come to mind for, for this point right now is to not generalize with vague generalities to avoid our own discomfort, right? Like a way to think of that is how we learn to talk to our daughters better, right? Women can be doctors too, not just men. Right. So like, so can people of any race and we can in, have those conversations. We can, even as white people, we can tell our white, uh, daughters and sons that like anybody can become a doctor if they want to, whether it's a, a black man or a black woman or an Asian man or Asian woman or an indigenous man or well, like anybody can become a doctor if they really want to, like whatever it is, avoiding some of those generalities and avoiding some of that vagueness because <laughs> like we get vague because we are uncomfortable in that conversation, right? So take that as a sign of something that you need to work on within yourself and in your being. If you are uncomfortable with a situation and you are uncomfortable with a conversation, you should 
I would encourage you to ask yourself why you are uncomfortable in that situation so that you can connect with it and move forward with it. I would also encourage to ask questions and listen to what your kids are thinking, right? Like ask, ask your kids questions like, how many people in your class are white? How many people in your class are black? How many people in your class are brown? How many people in your class are this? How many people in your class are that? And have those different conversations. And it, like you can have it about race. You can have it about hair color. You can have it about favorite color. You can have it about height, whatever. But you can have those questions and and talk to them about things and, and use some of those questions to kind of drive you and steer you into something a bit more deeper and meaningful, particularly as it relates to your your child in, in that particular situation. I <laughs> the next one I definitely uh this has been huge for me. I, I think that us as uh white people ought to engage our friends of different races and talk with them and have conversations with them about what their life experience is like because I mean there's been so many fucking times in my life where I've heard people and I've heard white people like say this or that like I think it's really beneficial to engage our friends and ask them about their life experience and understand and know what their life experience was like because it's different than ours, particularly as a white person, right? Like my experience is different than my black friends and different than my indigenous friends. And like, it's different and I can't, it it doesn't do anybody a, any benefit for me to like, or any of us to try and like assume or understand and think we understand what their life story is without really talking to them. And I know I've experienced a lot where white people talk with other white people about this. And we've talked about race and like different things of that nature. And I, I can't help but think a lot of times as I reflect back on that, like, I don't believe that a lot of those white friends that I've had conversations with have talked with black friends about their experience or something along those lines. And that's a, that's a critical misstep in my opinion. Like we have to talk with, with those other people. We have to talk with other people from other races about what their experience is like for us to even try to think that we might be able to understand it and talk and learn about those experiences from someone that isn't white. Like, we have to. We have to do better. All of us, myself included. There's definitely still ways that I can improve on this. And, you know, thinking about perspective again, like learning to understand perspective and that those differences there are, are important. And, you know, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode eight, where I talk about the power of perspective and like how that 
has a big ripple effect to all of this that we're talking about because your life experience and your perspective from your life events are are different than my life events and my perspective. And the only way that we're ever going to be able to have any kind of like connection around all of that and close the gaps around any of that is to have the meaningful conversations. You know, like we really need to have it around race and, and I mean, we really need to have it around everything, but especially around race, we can do it like getting books and reading books like Suli. Man, like that was, that's been so cool to see that and read that book. And I'm so grateful that Vanessa found that book for Rosalie. Uh, I'm so grateful for her and always <laughs> searching and expanding for everyone, not just herself, but all the people around her. Um, but yeah, anyway, like, let's talk about what race means with your kid, right? Like, what does that mean? There, I, I, I don't recall ever having conversations like that. You know, maybe, maybe they did, but I, I don't remember having meaningful conversations around it. Anyway, what, what does race mean, right? It's race is a, a grouping of shared like physical or social qualities, right? So skin color, ethnics of origin, um, stuff like that. And it was first actually used to refer to common language and then and then to denote and then to denote national affiliations. The thing that I really want to point out with a lot of that is that nothing of that refers to value, competence, or capability, or anything of that that would place one race as superior to another. Let's think about that again. Race means to group in physical or social qualities, but it has nothing to do with reference to value, competence, capability, or anything else that would place one race as superior to another. So, there's a, a bit of a rant for you. Today's tool is a bit more of a process than it is a singular word, like some of the previous tools, like gratitude. But I want to talk about letting things go. And particularly in this episode, let's talk about more also like ways that we can let go of hate, whether it be hate for a group of people, a neighbor, um, a specific person, what the fuck ever. I want to talk about learning to let go of hate. Oh man, let's, uh, <laughs> Let's fuck. Let's uh let's get deep in this too. As I've promised my vulnerability here on this podcast. I have promised that. And so let's do that again here. I know for me for a long time I unfortunately perpetuated racism. I would laugh at and even share racist jokes. 
and I would justify them by saying that I wasn't racist. There are times that I was even cowardice enough to justify by saying I had mixed nieces. I'd tell a joke, laugh at it. It's okay, I'm not racist, I have mixed nieces. I'm not proud of this by any means. It's probably one of the least things that I'm proud of in my entire life, if I'm going to be completely honest. But again, I've promised to you all my truth and vulnerability, as I, I think that is fucking vital to the to the reason and purpose behind all of this. And that means not admitting the times when I was acting from a hurt place or acting like a, a privileged white boy or acting like an immature person, acting like a immature masculine, just not acting in a way that I can be proud of. And so this is a bit of how I was finally able to come to a place where I stopped laughing at them. I stopped telling them. And I also got to a point where I started asking people to stop talking like that around me. And I, I had got to a point where I just had to straight up reject the shit. And that's a lot of like this process of stopping, letting go and stopping that hate. And so... Really, basically, I started to ask myself a series of questions. Am I racist? No. I don't hate any human or group of humans for the color of their skin or their race or their ethnicity. Like, I, I don't. Okay, well, why do, I, why do I say these jokes or laugh at them? Like, what... <laughs> Why, if I don't, if I'm not racist, if I don't hate them, then why do I say these things? What is my reason for them? I, am I perpetuating a greater, greater problem? Like, what, what is it? Do I, do I benefit from this? Is there an actual benefit to telling these jokes for myself or for other people? Like, what, what's the benefit? What does this do? Is there, like, does this create good? Like, what do these jokes even mean? What do, what do they mean? What does telling this joke mean? What does the answer to this joke mean? And I had to, like, start asking myself these series of questions. And it was the start of me working on justifying it to see if it was possible. Like, could I, could I justify it? Could I justify me saying those jokes? Could I justify me saying those things? Could I justify me laughing at somebody else saying those things? <clears throat> and I, I remember uh, having a conversation with a, with a friend from, from college and he talked about like, oh man, there's, there's black guys on the, on the football team that did shady shit. They did this and they did that. This person did that, and this person did this. <laughs> and, like, it was interesting because that that conversation came up in the midst of me, like, going through this, like, line of questioning for myself. Where I, where I was finally starting to create this bit of a shift. And so, like, I started to, like, I I... 
my response shifted and different. It was really, it was really cool. Um, and, uh, he, he liked me to raise this joke and as he said it, I was like, oh man, like, you know, I don't, I don't think I feel good about this kind of talk anymore, man. I, I think we should, I think we should shift the, the language, shift the conversation. And that's again where he was like, oh, what, what? Fucking blah, blah, blah. Like, they're a piece of shit. Like, you not remember all those black guys that did this and that on the football team in college? I was like, yeah, no, I, I remember that, man. I, th- I think it's, there's something, there's something different, man. Like, just because they did this or that back in college, like, I started thinking about it and started asking him, like, did only, like, the people of color do that? Did Was it just the black guys in the football team that did that? Didn't, did white people on the team do bad things? Fuck yes, they did. Fuck yes, they did. There was all kinds of white people on the football team that did some nasty shit. Like, there was all kinds of people all the time in college, young and dumb and just doing stupid ass shit. It didn't matter. <laughs> like, race had nothing to do with it. We all did stupid ass shit. We all did shit that we look back at now and we're like, man... I'm real glad I'm not that kind of person anymore. So in that moment, I was like, ding, 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 light bulb, light bulb. Holy crap. I can finally fucking connect to this shit and I can finally like move forward and I can stop perpetuating this shit. Like, man, I had was so angry with myself and how much I perpetuated racism for so long. I I found I couldn't justify it anymore, right? I I felt like I realized how uncomfortable in myself I was when others would crack the next joke. And it would well up inside me how uncomfortable it was. And I'm like, man, nope, no more. Time to create the shift. So as I created that shift... For myself then too, where like this also gets a lot more into like the mental health idea and like I had to ask myself why, like, why did I say those things? Why did I perpetuate that? Why did I previously think like that? The hate, right? What? Okay. Well, why did the hate, the subconscious hate, right? Well, why? What? Where's that subconscious hate come from? I mean, it's a huge part of the environment. <laughs> Anybody that's from northern Minnesota knows that northern Minnesota is not a very diverse place in the world. And I mean, uh, not that that not that you have to have diversity to create um, love and acceptance, but <laughs> I mean, northern Minnesota was not fucking cool. Northern Minnesota's, uh, I hope, better. I'm not in it anymore, so I hope Northern Minnesota has grown. Um, but it was very racist, for sure. There was times where I'd go out with my football friends to different festivities, and 
That was crazy the first time I like really saw racism so hard. I was going out after a practice or some shit. I don't remember exactly what it was. We would go to the street dance with a bunch of my friends from football and you know, most of them were black and we get there and like, there's a whole bunch of people like trying to fight us and kick us out. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, started to see that it was because they were black and because they were different. I'm like, what the fuck? That's crazy. This is crazy. Absolutely fucking crazy. I couldn't believe it. And it's like, I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like on that side. What it's like to for that to almost be a, a norm of your life experience. Like that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And so that's a big reason why we need to have different conversations. Until that no longer exists ever, ever, anywhere, we have to have these conversations. No matter how uncomfortable they are. Oh, anyway, um where the the subconscious hate, right? Getting back to it. Um so there was like Next to zero diversity in the school I went to in high school. Uh, but again, we all learned that that's not foolproof either. But like there was no conversations were had. Like I don't recall ever having a conversation around race in my life. Until I got into an adulthood. But yet racism was all around me in various ways. It was all around but the biggest thing is I realized that I could no longer justify it and I had to let it go. Right. So like that whole process, right. That long ass winded tool. I apologize. I thank you for hanging in with me. Is like to perform that assessment and find out why you do that. Search yourself why you do that and see if you can truly justify it. Can you really justify that line of thinking? Can you really justify that behavior? Can you really justify that action? I mean, and if you can really truly justify it, then I mean, I guess that's whatever it is. And that's your life experience. That's your perspective. See if you can justify that hate in you, like really dig deep and try to understand where that comes from and see if you can justify it. You got to be able to justify it. If if you want to hold on to that hate, if you want to have that hate in you, you got to be able to justify it. If you can't justify it, you got to let it go. I also, a bit later, came to the realization that my hurt soul craved in a way to feel some sort of belonging and even superiority. And the jokes, the telling of the jokes, the laughing of the jokes... Like that was the easy road to help myself feel a bit of that and feel that belonging and superiority. <laughs> the road where I didn't have to take radical personal responsibility for myself and my feelings and my being. I could just be better than by virtue of my whiteness in all fucking reality. And so like, put myself up there and <laughs> not fucking proud of it. It's not, it's not, uh, doesn't align with what I want to do and who I want to be, but I've come to this place in letting that go 
that I know I cannot even be better than any other human by virtue of their skin color. I can't be. No human on the face of the earth can ever be better by another human just by virtue of skin color. And anyone who thinks that is still holding on to some kind of like pain and hurt inside of themselves. The only human we can ever be better than is a better version of ourselves. We can't ever be better than another race for any other, for any fucking reason. Just doesn't. That's just that there's something unhealed and immature about that. And so that's why we got to have better conversations. That's part of it. Like when we get to that point and we can grow and heal, we can, we can have that realization. And as a result, we can have better conversations, we can connect, and we can have community. So we have to open up and be vulnerable with each other. Let's, you know what? Let's find the way. Let's find a way forward where we can show each other our wounds and we can heal together in a greater way. But if we don't come to the table to showing each other our wounds, we're not going to be able to heal them. We're not going to be able to come together. So we have to be ready to show each other our wounds. And as we show each other our wounds, we're going to be able to heal. You know, I'm really super grateful to have this conversation and be able to hold this space for this podcast and and push forward with this and have some different conversations. I'm super grateful for all of you listening. (laughs) Really, really can't thank you enough. I'm incredibly grateful for Rosalie reading solely just before she turns five. This episode is going to launch just a couple of days before her birthday. Uh, April 20th is her birthday. She'll be five. Super pumped. She's so fun. I'm so grateful to be a part of her life. Happy birthday, Rosalie. Um, And I'm super grateful that she wanted to, to give her blessing and permission to share her reading Suli with you all. And that made me think, too, that I want to start uh, having a tapping back into the one of the earlier tools with uh, with gratitude, right back to all the way back to episode one, where the tool is gratitude. Um, I, I want to bring something back into the bring a little mix into the podcast and have a per episode gratitude. And so those are a couple of them. <laughs> um, in closing, to my sister and two nieces, I am so very sorry that I ever acted in such a cowardice way to justify my behaviors in the ways that I did. To justify telling a racist joke and saying that I, I'm i not racist. I have mixed nieces. Like That's a fucking bunch of bullshit. And... I was coward, and I'm sorry. And I want you to know that you have my word from this day on that I am going to show up and have these conversations differently. I'm going to show up and have these conversations with integrity, care, and regard for people of color. And, like, fuck my discomfort. 
that like it's about time that somebody else has to be uncomfortable around it too. I'm gonna show up different and I'm gonna be the be the change <laughs> try to be the change that this world needs. A quick note about the Project Unchained podcast. I'm not a doctor nor a therapist. I'm just a driven guy who has seen firsthand what this healing journey can do for the quality of a person's life experiences. The ideas and concepts I share with you are a result of my own ongoing journey and that of my guests. I truly want you to live a more free and empowered life. This is my gift to you. Thanks for joining Project Unchained today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And if the tools you've learned have helped you, please consider leaving a review so that this show ends up higher in search results. By doing that, you can help me help others get unchained. If you know someone who specifically would benefit from today's episode, please share it with them directly. If what I'm discussing on the show resonates with you and you'd like to chat, please do reach out. I respond to all messages. You can find me on Instagram at Ross.Lepola, and I'm on Facebook, Ross Lepola. My email is in the show notes. Lastly, I want to give a special thank you to my very talented cousin, Galen Lee, for the intro and outro music for this podcast. The song is Lost in the Woods from her 2018 album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen's albums on Bandcamp, Spotify, and ViolinScratches.com. Until next time, I hope you live your life a little more unchained. Give yourself away.